This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by My Expat Taxes. Attention all U.S. expats, don't forget that you need to file your U.S. taxes. Now, most Americans living abroad don't actually owe any money to the government due to benefits like the foreign earned income exclusion or the foreign tax credit. And if you don't owe any money, you actually have a little bit longer. You have until June. In which case, don't worry, we're going to send you another reminder right here on this very show in a couple of weeks. But some of you might owe money. And if you do, your deadline is May 17th. So you got to get on this like right now, like yesterday. But don't worry, My Expat Taxes has all of that information and more. They'll even help you find out if you even owe or not. They specialize in helping you file your U.S. taxes as an American abroad, and their software is really, really great and easy to use. I use it myself, and it makes it so much easier. Now, automatically, when you sign up, you get 25 euros off of your next year's filing. But as a bonus for listeners of the ExpatCast, if you give in the code EXPATCAST in all caps, you'll get 10% off the use of their software. So go on over to myexpattaxes.com. Welcome to the ExpatCast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Now, one aspect of moving abroad that we haven't talked about so much is getting your career going. Sure, some of our guests have swapped stories, but I'm really excited to bring you guys this episode because we get into some concrete tips of how to do this. Now, I do think some information is received better in the written form rather than over a podcast. So there'll be a blog post with links to different resources for certain things. And what we focus on in this episode is the culture clashy moments of writing a resume, doing an interview, negotiating a contract, these things where language and nonverbal communication are very, very important. They're just really ripe with opportunity for cultures to clash head on. Now, before we get to it, I do want to share one funny story about my job interview process. I don't think I've ever shared this on the show. Um, during one of my job interviews, they had a required question they have to ask every candidate if this candidate is related to anyone in the higher ranks of government in this town because it's a government position and they just need to know if there's any sort of conflicts of interest. So they asked me this, but I didn't know the word for relative that they used. So I thought they were asking me about my opinion about the newly elected mayor in town. <laughs> so I started saying like, oh, um, well, I mean, I personally can't vote, so I don't really know. And also he's really new. And I mean, I, I guess we'll just give him some time and see what he does. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, what the heck kind of a question is this? And luckily they, they stopped me as quickly as they could. They all went, no, 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 no. Before you say anything that you don't want to say, <laughs> we are not asking your opinion on the new mayor. We are asking if you're married to him. It was... Pretty embarrassing, I guess, but I actually found it really, really funny. And luckily for me, so did everyone else in the interview. So it didn't end up being a problem. If anything, it was probably a good moment because it showed how I handle failure, honestly. <laughs> we do talk about themes like how to handle failure and how to handle stressful moments in interviews in this episode. I didn't get a chance to share that story there, but it made me think of it. So I wanted to share with you <laughs> one of my sparkling expat fails. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it and hear from Yana, one of the founders of the recruiting company Mitra.
My name is Jana. Uh, I'm originally from Germany, from Berlin, actually, and that's also where I'm living right now. But in between, I yeah, I was gone for several years, so I've lived in India, Taiwan, Malaysia, also for a very short time in the US, and Munich, which is in Germany, but uh, I would say it's still a totally different place uh, compared to Berlin. So I, <laughs> I returned from Munich about um, three and a half years ago. Yeah, you are here as a resident German, but also a resident HR expert. So <laughs> I'll say this like it's a job interview question. Ready? Why should we want you for this this topic of interviewing and contract negotiations? Wow, this really sounds like a job interview. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I do have a lot of experience in HR. Basically, I started my career as a consultant. So I yeah, supported a lot of HR projects for different kinds of company across Germany, also international ones. So I, I gained a a lot of insights into how recruitment processes work over here. And that's why I would say I, I can tell you a lot about that. But I, I think a great add-on is that I also worked abroad in the HR environment. And I think I can bring in the perspective of, of yeah, both recruitment here in Germany and also differences compared to how it works uh, in other places. And that's also yeah how I ended up starting my own company a few years ago. The company I run today is called Mitra. And Mitra is all about yeah helping internationals here in Germany to get started with their career. Very good answers. You're one step closer to getting the job of being the guest on today's episode. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, but silly jokes aside, yeah, we we're there's so much that we could talk about with the whole process of getting a job in Germany. But today I want to focus on two specific and really culture clashy <laughs> parts of the job hunting experience. One is the application itself and interviewing. Mm -hmm. The second is the contract and finalizing contract negotiations. So to to get going, let, let's focus on the, the first part of that process of what are some particularities or peculiarities with German job applications? So what can you tell us about that, about the CV? Yeah, I, w I would say the CV has some particularities in Germany. We like to have really, really crisp CVs. We tend to, to pay a lot of attention to keeping the information short. So the CV should have maximum two pages. One big difference to CVs abroad is that we don't have this kind of professional summary in the beginning. So we rather focus on having a kind of form or a really good overview of the timeframes or length of different job positions you held in the past and so on. Yeah, and it should be really crisp. So just a few bullet points for every job position, which means that depending on the job you apply to, you have to adapt your CV every time. Otherwise, it's, it's just too long. And I think um, people pay a lot of attention to that here. Yeah, recruiters just expect a very individual application, which is really in line with the job ad that they published. So all the keywords should be the same, because usually when they do the initial screening, the recruiters just pay attention to the most important keywords. And I recently had a recruiter over as a guest in my career talks, and she told me that she just takes 30 seconds for the first screening. So a CV here has wow. to convince in the first 30 seconds, which is a very short time frame. I mean, I have to say, sometimes people take longer. Like I usually take up to three or five minutes, but even that's a very short time frame, I would say. That's one aspect of it. And I would say we follow a really strict logic. So it's always the same setup, personal data, professional summary, education, and then maybe an overview of the most important skills. And then we have a lot of discussion going on about hobbies, I think, um, <laughs> 
sometimes people tend to include hobbies, but it's not a mandatory thing. But I think people don't do that abroad from what I've seen. I think that's very specific here in Germany. Yeah. Before we started recording, I pulled up some of my resumes from before I moved to Germany and then some of them from when I was applying in Germany. And what really stood out to me is, especially the American applications were so focused on me as a professional. The German one, they were all more about me as a person. So this is very controversial, but some things that you find on a German CV are often a photo, your marital status, your birthday, where you were born, hobbies. In some way, it's nice because it's really fleshing out who this whole person is and you kind of feel like you kind of know them in some sense just from this document. But on the other hand, it's like, well, this is a job. So for me, that was a big culture shock. To me, it seemed really unprofessional and frankly nosy. Like, why do you need to know my birth year and my marital status? What is that about? <laughs> it's really interesting that you're pointing this out because, yeah, that's I think that is kind of special stuff like marital status and so on is not mandatory, but it's right. I think a lot of people in and a photo as well. And I think that's because when companies recruit people over here, it's really about finding a personal match. So they want to know who you are. I, I again have to talk, mention the recruiter. Like when, when I had this discussion with her, um, she said, you know, recruitment is like dating. I think it's a bit similar here when you look at CVs. And the, the thing with that is, on one hand, it's kind of cool because you, it is more personal. But on the other hand, if there's only 30 seconds to maybe five minutes of time that someone's looking at your CV, that's not really enough to work through hidden internalized biases. But I know that's a big topic, especially in the in the expat foreigner Ooh. community, especially for people of color or older people. So uh, what I'm curious is these things that aren't required, like the picture, like the marital status, are they sort of wink-wink not required? If someone leaves them out, do you think that is going to hurt their chances? It really depends on where you apply. Um, I think it's okay to leave them out. I mean, it really depends on the person who's sitting on the other end. So depending on whom you talk to, you will probably <laughs> get a different answer, to be honest. But um, I think in general, it's it's okay. It's really, it's not mandatory. With a photo, for instance, there have been a lot of discussions about this um, over here. From what I've seen in the whole startup environment, people tend to be more relaxed about it, whereas in a more traditional work environment, like in, in corporates and so on, yeah, you may find people are paying more attention to this. With a photo, for instance, if you have this policy of recruiting someone who is a good match in terms of on a personal level as well, I think people tend to pay attention to if the person looks like someone you may have sympathy for or not. Um, so people pay attention to the photo, but it's not mandatory. And uh, I usually recommend international applicants to have a kind of mix so there should be some personal data for instance the location is really really important to figure out how the whole recruitment process works for the company as well so you need to be transparent about it but marital status or the date of birth or the photo are something where I think it's up to you to decide but if you leave it out I think it should be replaced with some other interesting information because you have to stand out uh, somehow as an applicant, right? And partic particularly, I think if you have not worked in Germany so far, it's really important to have something that makes your CV stand out among other candidates, especially among local candidates. This could, for instance, be your international experience. So uh, I think it's important to find a good mix. 
leave the stuff out where you think that may cause bias, but maybe you have something else that makes you stand out, like an interesting hobby, for instance. Yeah, I like that you use that phrase standing out because that's part of the tagline even for this podcast, because I think one of the major issues of expat life is finding this balance between standing out and fitting in because in some moments you really do just want to assimilate and fit into the environment but in other ways you want to stand out and you want to bring sort of your differences in but in a a positive way so that's another thing I'm excited to hear from you about is how do you think people can bring in the fact that they're not from Germany the fact that they're still learning German into the application in a way that makes it seem like the positive, which I personally think that it is. (laughs) Do you have any suggestions for how to find this balance there? As a foreign candidate, you need to provide more information than the usual candidate to stand out. What I usually suggest to, to take their CV and maybe give it to someone who doesn't really know about their career background or or is not familiar with the work environment they work in, give it to the person, let this person read your CV and then ask for a summary. (laughs) Like ask this person to give you an introduction of the profile that the person just read. And usually what happens is that people are not able to figure out the exact experience we have. Because for instance, if you move to Germany and apply for jobs here, the recruiter doesn't have any knowledge about the companies you work for so far, like company size, B2C or B2B market, the exact USP of the company and so on. So this is something uh, where I usually recommend candidates to add a bit more information than they would usually do. should be understandable for some someone who has never worked in this kind of work environment where you worked. Yeah, and about the language part, uh, yeah, that's that's really tricky. I think if you're a beginner, it's important to mention that you're learning German and don't just mention it in the cover letter, but also on your CV. That's why it's really important to have like a separate section where you um, list the kind of skills you have. And also if you speak other languages, it's really good to, to list them because it may be a great add-on. For instance, if you apply to a company which targets other markets, international markets, I think it's often a great add-on on for them to have a native speaker or to, to have someone who speaks several languages. So um, just think about the kind of skills you can bring in that maybe a local candidate doesn't have. Also in terms of soft skills, I think people who relocate or who have moved to another country often have a lot of experience in adapting to a new work environment and so on. So I, I think there are a lot of things that international candidates bring in that are a big advantage. And in terms of language, If you are a bit more advanced, um, even if you don't speak perfect German, I usually recommend candidates to try and come up with a CV in German and get a friend to help. And it it doesn't have to be perfect. It's it's more about showing that you're willing to learn the language. The motivation is what, what counts over here. I've been impressed by Germany, how often the employers are willing to look at the long term. You know, like they're not just yeah. looking for a quick candidate to fi- fill the role right away and be there for six months. No, they're they're looking for several years long commitment. So even if your German's not great now, but they see that you're dedicated, they really will or can. It is within the culture, I would say, to say, okay, it's worth the investment in this person if they're the right person and the language will come. That's, I think, also in line with what I said about the CV and about finding a kind of personal match, like, you know, like when you're dating someone. So because it's always this kind of long term perspective. So companies over here are willing to hire a candidate who is probably a bit less qualified or has a bit less of 
experience in, in their sector, but is a really good match on the personal side. And I've seen a lot of companies who sponsor language classes. Yeah. All they want to see is a motivation. It's like a win-win, right? If their employees learn German, so they will stick around for longer and it makes things easier. So it's, it's a good investment for them. Yeah. So let's say all of these chips with the CV worked really well. We got an interview. What are some special things about the German interview process that people should know about before heading into one? If you end up writing an application in German and then you end up walking into an interview and they um, start the interview in German, <laughs> I think it's totally fine to address the, like any kind of language issues you may be facing in the beginning. Because I think in Germany, we tend to be very direct. So if you feel uncomfortable with that or if you feel that maybe your German is not sufficient, it's really completely fine to ask in the beginning if it's possible to have parts of the conversation in English. About the rest of the interview, I would say interviews, there's like no standard procedure over here. It really varies. Like you can have interviews which follow like a standardized framework um, with standardized questions. But I've also seen a lot of freestyle interviews where it really just depends on the personal vibe between like the interviewer and um, the person who's being interviewed. But in general, what I pay a lot of attention to when I interview people is the self-introduction in the beginning. That's the most critical part from my point of view. <laughs> like usually what happens here in the interview is that in the beginning, you will get a question like, okay, tell, tell me about yourself or yeah, tell us about your background. And it often sounds a bit informal, but that's the actual start of the interview. I think whatever you're telling in the beginning is kind of setting the stage for the rest of the conversation. So it's good to keep it crisp and not tell them about everything you've done, but to kind of keep it to the point and in line with the job you're being interviewed for. But it's good to add something personal. That's why it's good to practice this in advance, because if you manage to add something personal that may spark a conversation, like an interesting hobby, uh, you may end up talking about personal topics or something that you're interested in, which is not part of the standard procedure. And that's usually a good sign. So that's, I think, something which is which you can also practice before the interview. And apart from that, I think um, you have to expect some critical questions as well in Germany. There are interviewers who like to test how people react to critical questions, yeah, more stressful kind of situations. So they will also probably ask about negative experiences that you have had in the past or weaknesses or other stuff. So for these kind of things, it's important to have a good answer prepared. Uh, so something which doesn't sound superficial, but it's also not something like really negative. Do you have an example of, of what that could be? What kind of question that might be? The standard standard question would be, so tell me about your weaknesses, but I, I think that's like an, a bit outdated. That's what you will often find in frequently asked interview questions. What happens often is that they ask you about your experiences, like for instance, a former job you had. Like to me, it happened that uh, I was in an interview and then the interviewer asked, so tell me about this job you did before. So did you get along well with your colleagues? And then I said, yeah, I, I got along with them really, really well. And uh, we are still in touch and so on. And uh, then the next question um, the interviewer asked was like, okay, so you're still in touch with them. And then I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And then she said, okay, so this means you, you, um, it's not easy for you to let go of things. So you, you still, oh. um, 
uh, tend to not let go of things. And then she tried to turn it into something negative, although obviously there's nothing negative about staying in touch with former colleagues, right? But I think all she was trying to do was to see how I react to these kind of weird questions. That's shocking in the moment, I'm sure. And like, you can't, how can you be prepared to have someone ask something like that, you know, but I guess just knowing that someone could sort of go on the attack, um, and not because they're necessarily mean, but just because Mm -hmm. they want to test how you react. I think that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, that's really something you cannot prepare for, right? For for these kind of situations, the most important part is to be aware that they are just trying to test you. (laughs) So it's not a personal thing. It's just trying to, like, they're just trying to figure out how you deal with this kind of stuff. But it's, it's a bit mean. I mean, what I often do is when I interview people, I do ask them about situations on, like, in their former job where things did not work out, like some negative experiences they had, so situations where they did not perform or achieve the, whatever kind of objectives they had. Um, it's not aimed at figuring out all the things that went wrong in the past. I ask this question to figure out um, how, the person deals with these kind of things because I think that's a key aspect of the mindset over here to to figure out if a person is able to deal with critical feedback critical situations to learn from these kind of things so it's more what I want to hear in these situations when I ask questions like this is as I want to hear about the learnings it's it's fine if things went wrong in the past but it's important to learn Speaking of uncomfortable moments in interviews, <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes it does happen that interviewers ask inappropriate questions, things like, do you have kids? Are you planning on having kids? Questions about their migration status or, or history. And mm-hmm. I think especially as foreigners in a job interview in a new country, you probably already feel really nervous, extra nervous. It's really important to come into an interview prepared. If something like that does get asked, how can one react in a way that is appropriate? I have to say it's not legal to ask questions related to the private life, like marital status or family plans or this kind of stuff. It's actually something interviewers are not allowed to ask if you look at the legal framework over here. But of course, if you end up in an interview situation, it's not good to say, no, I'm not going to answer this. You know, it's illegal (laughs) to ask these kind of questions. (laughs) What I would suggest is to answer questions that you feel okay with, And if you feel that um, it's a bit too personal, maybe you could either give like a very, very rough answer, not very specific in terms of plans or stuff, or you can just ask if this matters for the, the kind of position that you are being interviewed for. So you can also ask a question back. Like if you don't feel comfortable with it, I would try and deal with it in a humorous way. For instance, if someone asks you, so... Are you planning to have kids in the future? <laughs> then I would just ask back in a very, very polite way. And does it matter for, for the position we are talking about right now? Because I don't have kids at the moment. And then try to navigate away from this topic. 
it's it's a bit difficult because you also don't want to seem like impolite, right? But if it's too personal, like if the person is really kind of invading your personal space, I think it's also okay to at some point say, uh, sorry, I, I don't feel comfortable with answering that question because I think it's not related to, to this job. And I've definitely found in Germany that there is this belief that it's almost your right to ask whatever you want to ask because the other yeah. person has every right to not give you that answer. And they're expecting mm. that if they ask something that's not comfortable, that person will just tell them no or not answer it. Whereas for me, I don't know, as a woman, as someone who's from a country that's very focused on people pleasing and yes, sir, yes, ma'aming, you know, that's not clear to me. That's something I've really had to learn in Germany in a way that honestly has been pretty hard. So in situations like that, I didn't even really know at the beginning that saying, no, I'm not going to answer this question or yeah. asking, yeah. is that relevant? I didn't even know that was an option, honestly. <laughs> Just yeah. knowing that's an acceptable response, I think, is already huge. This is something which is probably really good to practice in advance um, because, yeah, it's, it's, it's really accepted to say no. All right. So we made our CV, we had the job interview, and let's say we got it, we got the job. <laughs> now, this part I'm really excited to hear about. This is the part about contracts. A couple basic logistical questions to kick us off is, what does a typical contract look like? And how does that tie into things like a, a payment schedule um, and benefits? What, what's sort of standard or what's possible? We have a very, very employee-friendly legal setup here in Germany, which I think like the whole legal framework is really protecting employees. So it's uh, that's in general a good thing because it means that in terms of your work contract, even if there's something in the work contract, which is, you know, something you missed out on, something which is not in line with the usual standard, usually um, the legal framework will be like overruling that. <laughs> so you don't have to be too worried about the work contracts here because we have this strong legal setup. But um, of course, there are like a few standard things you will find in every work contract. And I think the work contracts always look different depending on where you get them from. We don't have this one standard template. Something very specific, which I think is not common everywhere, is that we usually have like probationary period. It's like in German, it's called Probezeit, which is usually six months. And that's a starting phase where you get to kind of test <laughs> if you really like um, your job. And also it's a test phase for the employer. So this is really important to be aware of because in this time frame you have a very short notice period where the contract can be terminated. And after that, once you've made it through these six months, you are really well protected. So, so it's not easy for um, employers over here to fire people. And that's also probably why employers here have this long-term perspective because once you made it through the first six months it's not easy to get rid of someone <laughs> so that's why they really make these big investments and, and that's why they want to hire people who stay for a long term so just pay attention to these six-month probationary period. Also make sure that the length of the employment is mentioned. Sometimes you have these limited work contracts where you are only employed for 12 months or for two years. I think that's the maximum 
limitation that they allow here. I do have a great article about this on our website um, where I list like the most important things you should pay attention to. So we can probably link that as well because there are a lot of these things like vacation days and which are just like a standard framework. And vacation days, I think that's also something people often like to know about. Here we have a standard framework in Germany where everyone who works, I think the standard setup is five days a week, Monday to Friday, usually 35 to 40 hours. So if you work five days a week, you get minimum 20 days of vacation. And usually it's more, I would say the average is minimum 25 days or even more. Bigger corporates, you often get up to 30 days leave, which I think is quite good. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the so the whole salary aspect, which is really, really important. The most important point is to get the numbers right, because you have a lot of tax deductions. So make sure when you start to negotiate your salary, um, to maybe use a salary calculator. I think there are a lot of great calculators online. And type in like whatever kind of salary you are negotiating, because there will be a lot of deductions from the salary that is mentioned in your employment contract, insurance, social security contributions, tax, and so on. So the money you end up with on your bank account is less than what's stated in your employment contract much less actually. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you get the numbers right. When I find also interesting when you're job hunting and, and negotiating the contract and all that, people in Germany speak about your income in terms of per month, where in the US yes. you typically talk about it per year. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, sometimes you also mention per year when you apply for jobs because they often want a salary expectation, but actually very often in the negotiation and in general, yeah, people talk about monthly income. And it's also the standard payment plan, I would say, right? So it's always a monthly payment. I've never seen anything different. And usually salary is paid towards the end of the month, which means that when you start a new job, you need to be covered for the first month because it will take minimum four weeks until you get your first salary. That was very relevant when I was starting mine. I had no money in my bank account and I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know I wasn't going to get paid for another four weeks. Yeah, it takes, I mean, and I mean, if you're relocating, I've, I've seen cases um, when people start a new job, especially people who are a bit more junior, for instance, I think it's in some cases, it's also okay to ask for an advance. If you're relocating and everything, it's okay to ask them if they could um, pay the first salary a bit earlier. A lot of things that I came to Germany understanding as quote unquote benefits are not even really negotiables, it sounds like here. Like for, for me in the US, when you're applying for a job, yes, you negotiate the salary, but you also maybe negotiate healthcare or vacation days or sick day policies, things like that. They're not standard. They're not a legal standard. So you, you're negotiating that when you come in. Whereas here in Germany, you're saying, okay, vacation days, there's basically a calculation for it and a law for it. Healthcare isn't even a part of your job. It's it's completely separate. So where is there room to negotiate? I would say, yeah, the room for ne to negotiate is, of course, the salary itself, like the salary level. I would never accept the first offer that a company makes unless you know that they have a, a standard tariff that's applicable. Like if you apply at corporates or like in a public services job, they do have a tariff, like a standard tariff structure. So there's no room for negotiation. But in smaller or medium-sized companies, you always have room for negotiation. So I would say the salary itself, 
um, then we also you, some fields like if you work in sales and other domains I think there's always a variable like a performance-based part but I think in general we tend to have quite a high level of fixed salary here in Germany as well and then there are other things like a mobility allowance for instance um, that's a lot of people have that or gym memberships also a relocation package really important if you're moving here even if you are already living in Germany and just moving from one place to the other for your job you can still negotiate a relocation package and I think a lot of people miss out on that it's it's a really a win-win because it's tax deductible for the companies as well so it's very attractive for them and yeah apart from that I think especially as an international candidate I think what you can also negotiate are kind of soft factors like training allowance or we mentioned earlier like this the whole language aspect so you could ask if they would sponsor language classes because that's a win-win for the employer and for you right um, so trainings yeah gym memberships mobility allowances all these kind of stuff and would you say coming into the negotiations are there any things in terms of the communication style or sort of language cultural barriers that we should keep in mind when negotiating because i find that's such a delicate thing you know you don't want to step on anyone's toes and make them hate you before you even start working there because you ask for something crazy to them or what have you so yeah is there anything any tips in terms of how to negotiate without pissing anyone off <laughs> yeah i think negotiation in the in a foreign language or in a foreign country is really challenging that's also why i said i would never accept an offer right away so first of all the most important part is that the salary negotiation already starts when you apply for a job because you usually have to state a salary expectation and i think i also didn't mention this earlier when we talked about interviews this is really like a standard question you have to expect. I think it's completely accepted and totally fine to negotiate salary over here. But the important part is that you have your numbers right. So I've often seen cases where people bring in or mention, you know, this is what I'm currently earning. So that's the kind of increase I would expect. Or so they refer to their current income. But here in Germany, we usually refer to the market value. So it's good if you have some numbers, like if you do some research on Glassdoor and have some references of what your profile, what kind of market value your profile has and use this as a reference. Um, it's not really common to mention your current income, for instance. Um, also, another thing, if they make you an offer, it's good to use this offer as a reference for your negotiation. Uh, for instance, uh, if you feel that they are not really um, flexible in terms of the amount of money they want to pay right now or if they have some doubts because you are not living in Germany at the moment and you need to relocate, then I think a very nice way um, to, to get started is to, to also to offer them to start on a lower salary like the one they are offering you and then to agree on a fixed increase after a certain amount of time. For instance, after the six-month probationary period, you agree that, okay, after these six months, you will have a fixed salary increase. And one final question. As people who are outsiders coming into something new, one of the problems that we often have is that we don't even know what we don't know. So my last question is, is there anything beyond what we've discussed so far that foreigners applying to jobs in Germany should be aware of? Yeah, I think um, in general, um, I've seen cases where people had big disappointments because of the whole visa process, um, because depending on where you come from and depending on the field you're working in, you may have 
you may need to have like a certain minimum salary level, for instance. So when we talk about salary negotiation, this is the first thing you should always do if you are planning to move to Germany to check visa requirements and to check if there's a minimum level of income that you need to prove. And then another thing is the whole bureaucracy paperwork part. And I think you also talked about this in other podcast episodes that there is a lot of bureaucracy involved here in Germany. So just make sure that when you reach Germany, keep track of that. Like you need a tax ID and this registration, Anmeldung um, is a bit of a headache, um, but just make sure that you keep track of it. I think there are a lot of checklists available for that. We also have like a short one on our website. Make sure that you plan on enough time to get the paperwork done. And that's also something proactive you can do if you're still applying, even if you haven't gotten far in the process. Some of that paperwork stuff is stuff that you can do ahead of the job. So things like getting official translations of your educational documents, or if you have a higher degree that you need recognized here, you can do that independently. And that's uh, education certificates, like the recognition status, for instance, is also something you can check online. So this kind of information is helpful. It speeds up the process. Well, you've given us so many wonderful tips, but the fun's not quite over yet. We have a little bit left, which is the rapid fire question round. It's called Zack, Zack, Zack. I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You're just going to go with your gut. Are you ready? Sounds good. Yes, I am. <laughs> what is your very favorite neighborhood in all of Berlin? Oh, my favorite neighborhood in all of Berlin, to be honest, is um, Schöneberg because that's where I was born and raised and it still feels like home. Good mix of a local neighborhood with a lot of people who've been living there since a long time and a lot of new people moving there. So yeah, it's still my favorite local neighborhood. German media, like TVs and movies, it's hit or miss. So give us, give us a hit. What is one of your favorite German TVs or movies that you would recommend? <laughs> well, that's a toughie. The most recent series that I watched was uh, Babylon Berlin. Yeah, that was my favorite. I think it's in in incredible. Yeah, it's based in Berlin. It's a, a German production and it's um, based in like the golden 20s. And finally, what is your favorite word in English? Wow, that's a difficult question. I don't have a favorite word, to be honest, but recently I was um, working on our website and I had to come up with a like this error page that shows that pops up when people try to access a hyperlink that's not existing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. tried to come up with a funny error page and I was looking for terms in English um, that are kind of funny terms to say, you know, um, like in German we would say mist or something like that, like mm -hmm. when, when things go wrong. And I came across it um, like different funny error pages and then people used to say, these funny things like darn or you know what the, this kind of language that yeah. you use in tunes. so I, I found that very very entertaining <laughs> did you find shucks no what's that shucks it's just it's exactly like mist like <laughs> you you you're running to the tram stop and your tram pulls away and you're like ah shucks it's kind wow. of corny old school but it's a really fun word to say <laughs> yeah these are the kind of kind of words that um, i find really entertaining i have to say in, <laughs> in english thank you for all the information thank you for these very fun sex 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 and before we leave <laughs> can you tell us more about mitra and where people can find you 
I'm happy to tell you more about Mitra. So as I said, so Mitra is a platform for um, expats or general internationals who uh, want to move to Germany or who are already living in Germany. And we provide a lot of information about careers in Germany. We run a great English job board um, where we post jobs on a weekly basis, um, all of them in English. Um, we have a great career blog where we give a lot of um, advice, for instance, on salary negotiation and work contracts and a lot of information on our YouTube channel as well. And we do host a lot of events, a lot of them for free. So uh, we invite speakers like the recruiter I mentioned, um, people from companies over here, experts who have moved here. I also had Nicole as a guest. <laughs> so if you want to watch that episode, I think it was very interesting. We talked about your uh, work experience here in Germany. Yeah, and apart from that, if you need support with your job search, That's something we also offer. So we do support experts here. We provide coaching, career workshops, visa services. So basically everything you need to get started over here in Germany. And you can find us if you use the hashtag AskMitra or just by visiting our website, which is mitra-germany.com. Wonderful. Yep, we'll link all of that. Thank you so much, Jana, for coming on to the show. I, I think this was both fun and informative. What more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was um, a pleasure and also very interesting to hear about your experiences. I think I also learned a lot in this session. Um, so thanks for that and thanks for having me. Thanks again to Jana for coming onto the show and sharing all of these great tips with us. I've written up a blog post giving an overview of what we talked about in the episode as well as linking to really great resources that Mitra offers. You'll find that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to leave a rating and a review for the Expat Cast on my website, on Apple Podcasts, or on Podchaser. These reviews really keep me going both emotionally and logistically. It really helps the algorithm. So please go ahead, take a moment, and leave some stars. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at the Expat Cast. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. There on Instagram at a hug from the side. Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with another Travel Germany episode, and this time we are headed over to the lovely little town of Bamberg. Till then, have a great week. Stay healthy and stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.